What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rose, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Dew Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. Welcome into another episode of Kentucky Daily, a daily podcast covering your University of Kentucky Wildcats. I'm Sean Smith. He's Derek Terry. Uh, Derek, a couple of days off here from the podcast. Uh, we didn't record Tuesday because there wasn't really anything happening. And then I woke up Wednesday morning with uh, with a stomach bug, which wasn't fun. No, it's never fun. <laughs> I'm glad you're feeling better, though. We're back at it. And uh, the questions... That you guys sent in probably Monday afternoon, Tuesday morning, something like that. We'll get around to them today. Uh, All still relevant, too. Yeah, they are. Very, very quiet week. Um, And probably somewhat to be expected. Um, It's been a week now since Terrence Clark tragically passed away. Uh, Hard to believe it's already been a week. But, uh, you know, I... I think we all expected that that would slow down and kind of put things back into perspective and that Cal would be doing other things. Um, and then you also have the job posting, though. Sean, I believe, is May 3rd, right, is when yeah. that officially closes. So they can't – the school can't officially do anything until then. Um, but I would expect early next week, whenever that closing passes, I think you'll hear something pretty soon after that. But, Sean, if you're ready to hop into these questions, I can uh, hit you with one right here. Unless there's an order you wanted to go in. Yeah, and and always, uh, the mailbag is brought to you by Buffalo Wings and Rings in London, Kentucky, right there off I-75. NFL draft going on this weekend. Make it out to Buffalo Wings and Rings and watch the draft. You know that's going to be all over those TVs there. You try those delicious chicken tenders, those wings, uh, all those salads. Uh, You can uh, check out their Twitter page. I know uh, I tag them all the time and in tweets, it's at BWR London, and they also have a Facebook page too. If you just type in uh, Buffalo Wings and Rings London, Kentucky, it'll pull up all the information. So, Derek, go ahead and hit me with one of these questions. Yeah, I'm looking at the top here in your replies. First one is from Ben. It's a basketball question. Uh, his first one is, and we'll get to the second one. First question If Cal focuses solely on getting the very best from each recruiting class, who do you think he could realistically get next year? And do you think Coach O or Chen could be a game? Or would be a game changer for any player? So let's go through offers. Who has offers for next year? Seems As like Jalen Duran, right? Would be Duran, or however you say his last name. Yeah, it, big one. Sharp has an offer too. He's in that class, right? Shaden Sharp. Yeah, I know he was getting some pub in Indy last weekend. Yeah, I would. Where is he ranked, Derek? Do you know? where Sharp is. and I don't think he is like a five-star on the composite because I think last week was the first time I really remember seeing his name. I can scroll down here. Not in the top 10. Sharp is not in the top 20. Not in the top 30. <laughs> is this a 2022 kid? I think I'm trying to, to look. He's not a top 50 player. Maybe. Is he 20? Surely he's not 23. It's not that far off, is it? 
I wouldn't think so. Did they offer him? Oh, yeah, here he is. Yeah, he's at 71. So he's in this class, just uh, ranked a little lower than maybe you would expect. Uh, But to answer the second question, I don't really know too much about who Chan or um, Antigua had really been targeting in that 22 class. I do think you'll see kind of a total reshuffling. What we do know about 22 is the guys that Jay has been recruiting. Uh, Keontae George, Kaysen Wallace are guys that they don't really know. George, he might be a, a pro, uh, a guy who decides to go to the pro ranks, but Kaysen Wallace is at 16. He actually has a crystal ball to Kentucky, even though he hasn't officially been offered yet. But George is kind of the, the stud out of Texas that year. He's the uh, number six player in the country, but right now it seems to be some thought that he'll be going to the G League. Um, and Jaden Bradley. Is the name that I would say. Definitely, Brad. I would say Duran is the. It's kind of the. Again, you're gonna have to deal with the G League. You're gonna have to deal with. Uh, I think on his edit, he had another professional basketball league, on there. So his crystal ball is 100 pro right now. Yeah, yeah. I don't know who put that in, but that's always gonna be a, a thing you have to deal with. But it does seem like just out of some of the scuttlebutt out of last weekend is that if he does look the college route, it'll probably I mean Kentucky will be right there in the mix, which is a good sign. Um, yeah, and, and Sky in the composite, Sky's number ten right now. So you you've got number number ten. Uh, so ESPN had an update and I think that's what th- these rankings are a little different since the last time I looked. I want to say Sky was like twelfth or thirteenth, right? He was twelfth in Kentucky. the previous in the yeah. previous ranking he was twelfth, so he's ten. And you know, despite conversations I had last week, you know, him the Ben Roberts come out with that story that this guy's firm with Kentucky and you know, not wavering. So we'll we'll see what happens there. But I think him and Jaden Bradley as it stands, I would I feel really confident that Bradley will be at Kentucky. And then, you know, you already have Sky, so you have two in the top ten. Uh, you mentioned Keontae George there. If they could get three top 15, top 16 guys, here's Kaysen Wallace, 100% crystal ball to UK too, number 16. Uh, you don't really know, but I, I think that I think that'll be a class that they do well in. Do you, do you have that feeling, Derek? I do, yeah. I think so. In terms of Antigua and, and Chin, though, you might see 23 be the first class that they really – and going further from that. I mean, sometimes you'll see a situation like Jay Lucas quickly made an impact on Damian Collins here. Um, and that, that'll certainly give – you know, that was a lot shorter than the time that Antigua and those guys first signing period in November, most likely. So you're going to have, you know, six months or more once those guys are official to, to – should add Nick Smith too, uh, in that class. I think he's around twenty sixth, maybe, in the composite right now. I know Jay Lucas is his primary recruiter, and I think all Crystal Ball uh, prediction. He's got one prediction. It's Kentucky. So still, still early on a lot of these guys, Derek. And with the summer circuit and everything coming up, uh, you expect Kentucky offers to kind of be uh, – be coming out in the coming months. I look for by the time we get to August to have a solid list of who exactly Kentucky's targeting, who they want, and maybe have a clear picture on what exactly is going on. No question. Ben's other question had to do with football. He asked, uh, I asked Eric this question a few episodes ago, but if he could see us getting a true five star in football, and he said maybe the QB from Cal 
uh, next year, but I wonder if he has made anything of the rumors surrounding the defensive end Williams from Georgia. So Ben is asking about Michael Williams. Um, certainly he wouldn't put UK in the driver's seat at all. A kid from Columbus, Georgia, Hardaway High School. Every crystal ball pick is on Georgia. That is tough to beat out, but it does sound like that kid is considering an official visit to Kentucky. So, you know, always good to at least get someone like that on campus and see what you can do. And um, pulling five-star kids from anywhere for Kentucky is obviously very difficult. Pulling them from the Deep South is pretty much impossible <laughs> based off of what we've seen historically. I mean, they've never – highest-rated kid they've signed from the South was probably – that wasn't from Kentucky. It was I don't hell it might have been Trevin Wallace this last class really when you look at it. So um, gonna be tough. Gonna be tough on Williams, but still until he until he commits somewhere. Uh, yeah, I wouldn't look that up. It actually was Trevin Wallace. Well, DJ Stafford, but I don't remember him at all. So uh, best best chance probably for that five star type is just to hope that someone in the state of Kentucky or you get some kind of some kind of connection elsewhere where uh, maybe a player has a son who, you know, turns into that and wants to play at UK, but it's certainly going to be tough. Uh, second takes us from question, Sean. Uh, I actually see four right here, but the first one, is there any timeline on decisions for Brooks and or Mintz? I'll answer that. No, to this point, uh, I've not heard anything. I don't think Sean has heard anything on that. Not for a timeline, no. Yeah. Just, uh, just things are trending in a positive direction with Keon Brooks. Uh, still haven't heard anything on Davion Mintz. Yeah, it's very quiet on the Mintz front. And, of course, uh, Sean dropped that note about Keon on Monday. Two, what's the latest on Isaiah Jackson? Uh, Sean, I'm firmly in the camp that I, I think he will leave. Probably won't be too much longer before he signs an agent. That's my guess. Yeah. What's your take? Uh, I think he's gone. Absolutely. Out of the remaining transfers, which one – or more are most likely to come to Kentucky. Uh, good question. I would say still think CJ Frederick is up there. And um, that's who my guess would be for the most likely at this point. Yeah, that, that's my guess for most likely. And still re- remains to be seen who else they go after, you know, like yeah. where are things with Marcus Carr? What happens with uh, Tata Washington in the coming weeks? Adam Miller uh, will be committing on Saturday. Uh, you know, what happens with those with those situations? And I think that is there another name that emerges with UK? Obviously, I think they've targeted who they want, Derek. And if Keon comes back, and I think it all depends on what Mintz does. If if Mintz decides to return, I could see them adding one more guy from the from the portal and then maybe chalking it up. What do you think? If if Keon and Mintz both return, you get Frederick, maybe get one more, maybe find a point guard somewhere in the portal if Tata goes to Arizona or somewhere? Yeah. Yeah, I've just – I've kind of – It's been so quiet now for yeah. the last week, which we knew that, you know, when the – with the tragic news of Terrence last week and everything, you know, which we knew that was going to slow down things a bit. So I'm expecting next week to be a big news dump. Yeah, I just have a hard time seeing them – taking two more guards if uh, Davion Mintz chooses to return. So perhaps it could happen. Uh, I don't really see it. This is from David Wood. He says, with the posting of two assistant openings at UK now, do you think the transfers and 2021 recruits are waiting on to see who fills the staff? And maybe 
other different offers come out when they come on staff. And then, uh, so yeah, let's answer this one first. Um, I would say, I, I don't know. The Adam Miller situation would probably be the only one I would think probably is affected for this question. Would you agree with that, Sean? Just yeah. because yeah. you're potentially adding two coaches from the school he was just at, but he chose to transfer from that school. I've never read an article or anything as to why he decided to leave Illinois. And he set his decision date before anything will be official at UK. So I don't really know how to read that situation, to be honest. Um, he's committing on Saturday, right? So yes. I've not heard anything about him since uh, probably two weeks ago. So that leans to me saying I don't think he's coming to Kentucky because the buzz is basically non-existent for him to UK right now. That's how I see it. Yeah, it, it's super quiet there. There, all the buzz has been LSU, right? Uh, I think I did. I mentioned I mentioned LSU like a week or so ago, mm-hmm. as being a, a school to watch there. Um, I'm trying to see, is that the is that the only one that's being thrown out? Is LSU? I, I've not really heard anything official with with Adam Miller. I don't. Ever since they got tweeted that maybe he'd be going to UK, since then I've really heard nothing. It's been very quiet. Um, it's hard to even know who's establishing contacts in some cases. Uh, yeah, we don't know. Yeah, who's who's. Yeah, it's, it seems to be that Cal's the main guy right now with all this contact, right? I would think him and Bruiser and Jay still. I mean, certainly your guys who are who are doing that. Uh, David's second question: Does the new staff recruit over what's left on the roster for next year with the transfer portal? Uh, again, I don't. I don't think and so. We're calling next year. This coming year, right? Right. Yeah. Okay. That's yeah. That's how I interpret it. No, I, I don't think so. I, I don't think that there will be any recruiting over. I think Kentucky is almost. If if Keon Brooks is indeed leaning, and you know, I was told last Thursday that I think in talks with his teammates that they're under the assumption that Keon is going to return. I I don't know what that means with testing the NBA draft process and things like that. Like his dad originally said a month ago, but. When it comes to filling out this roster, if Keon is indeed coming back, I don't think Kentucky's far off from being done, especially if Frederick ends up being one of the guys they get. You can start start to see it kind of all come together. They need a point guard, mm-hmm. someone with Hickman. Uh, you need, I think, one more shooter for sure. And then depending on if Ke- if Mintz doesn't come back, I could see them adding another uh, veteran piece on the perimeter. I, I think they're, they're keying in on now. If we could get one decision to go – and announce in the next week, I think we would have a clear picture on what Kentucky's roster may possibly look like. But whatever Ty Ty Washington does, I think could really tell us if it's going to be someone from the portal to play point guard or not. If obviously if they don't get Washington, they're going to get a guard right from the portal oh, yeah. that plays point. Well, yeah. I, I, I just want to see what Mintz does before before I guess that's why it's so hard right now to kind of man there is nothing leaking out about that like there are no reports whatsoever about what he's doing nothing like it's it's the it's so quiet this question comes from Wesley uh he asks as of today where do you think we stand with Ty Ty Seems to be some Arizona buzz of late. If we miss out on him, does Cal turn up the heat on Wheeler or roll the dice with some of these NBA entrants that might return to college? So someone like uh, 
Marcus Carr, obviously, or elsewhere. Uh, there definitely was buzz for Arizona last weekend for Ty Ty. Um, I don't really know how things are going with the UK. Obviously, there for a while, it seemed like Cal was calling him every day, trying to trying to see how that was going. He had Hickman hitting him up. So since then, I'm not really sure. But another guy who he's not set on a, a date, has he? It's just I think kind of expected that he'll be announcing somewhat soon. Yeah. Because um, he had told some people that he was going to cut his list and then commit shortly after. He has cut his list, I believe it's last weekend or something like that, whenever he announced his list. Or was it the weekend before? I, it's been a minute since he uh, cut that list. I believe it has been two weeks. It was the weeks, same yeah. It was the same weekend as the football weekend, right? Good one. Yeah, yeah. So the Wheeler stuff is interesting to me. Um that sounds like maybe a Jay Lucas thing, just with that kid being from Houston. Maybe that's the connection uh, as to who's recruiting him. Terrible shooting numbers, like we talked about, but very good distributor, someone who can get to the lane. Like I'm not as down on Wheeler as some people seem to be, um, but it, it does seem like maybe there have been other options that have gone into the portal that were probably as good, <laughs> if um, not better. So I can't understand it from that front. I just don't think the kid's like a – terrible player though like I think he could help him he, he's not terrible but I'm not a huge fan of it um even if it, you had three four very good shooters around him you, just, that's that's the only way that I think yeah. that I would be a fan of is that if you have knockdown threats all over the perimeter uh, I think that that's the only way I'd be a fan of it uh especially I mean I think I would much rather have Carr. yeah if it, yeah if it came down to to those two um, and I, I would rather have Ty Ty Washington, honestly, if it came down between him and, and Wheeler. Just uh, by the way, I'm going to the Iverson Classic next oh, week. Oh, update. I didn't uh, know this. Yeah, I actually just got the approval. <laughs> so, <we're sitting> here. <laughs> so that's why you didn't know that yet. So I will be there. So it could be an exciting weekend for this, this show. I'll Hopefully we'll get a lot of good stuff down there. It's the only game that's being played there yeah. out of all the All-Stars. And as it stands, Nolan Hickman, Hopkins, Collins, Washington's there. So if Washington is has committed by then, maybe maybe I get some good stuff while I'm there. Or if not, maybe get, like get something a, out of it. Yeah, it seems like the final rankings might weigh kind of heavy on this game. If it's going to be the only one, I'm sure they're having some practices, certainly, before that I, I would guess some media will be allowed, at least high-end media. Because uh, it, it's actually a uh, – did you see where it's an NBA-sanctioned uh, scouting event? So and NBA scouts would be allowed to be there. You know how weird it is, too? Media has to pay admission. Ooh, how much is it? It's not much. I think it's – May I can't remember. I don't like that. Yeah, I, I don't either. I don't know why they did that, but they told me to pay the cheapest admission possible because it's just to get into the door. And I'm like, what are you yeah. talking about? Like, how's that? Like, what if I have a media credential? But uh, we'll see how it goes. I'll yeah. be reporting from there, and I'm sure I'll have all kinds of recap, Derek, on on this show. Hopefully, we get some good stuff from it. Uh, Wesley had an Wesley have another question too. Yes. It's been quiet on the Frederick front. If Mintz returns, we get Frederick and land an elite point guard. I feel like the pieces are there to be a contender. That's assuming Brooks returns as well. Confidence level in that scenario occurring, is it a contending team in your all's view? 
So we're pretty confident still that Frederick with Kentucky in good standing there. Yeah. Uh, Mintz returns. We, we, we still don't know. Like I, I don't even know where to put a confidence meter in that Derek, because I really, I have no Intel on what he's thinking right now. I mean, he's still in Lexington. I mean, he was there and stuff yeah. last week, which I think bodes well, right? Yeah, I mean, in this scenario, for sure, if they got a very good point guard, Mance and Fredericks, yeah, I, I, I would definitely view them as a contender. Uh, I don't see too many weaknesses on a team like that, honestly. I, and I think that's probably best-case scenario as well. So in that best-case scenario, though, then that's, that's how I would see them. Um, I tend to lean more towards, again, Two out of three, Manson Fredericks. I mean, maybe they would get another point guard. That's just a lot of guards, though. If uh, a lot, if Mintz comes back, I, I just I don't really see Manson Fredericks both being there if they also get a stud point guard. So I mean, if, if you land a truly elite point guard like this question asked, uh, I don't know that Manson Fredericks are both on the roster. But if the point guard doesn't come and they take Mintz back and Mintz wants to play some point or that's what they want to do, in that case, I could see Fredericks. But yeah, high, I would say high confidence level if that's the, if that's a scenario because I mean you could have a lineup of point guard. I mean you have a lot of options basically. You have so much experience off the ball on the perimeter that you I think Kentucky would have to do well honestly. And you're you're talking Keon Brooks being back in that scenario, Oscar Sheboy with experience, Kellen Grady with experience. Uh, I really start to like what they do. Yeah. If you have that much experience. And talent. I, I do think that – I think by the end of May, we'll be all we'll be sitting here feeling a little bit better about what Kentucky's doing. Obviously, right now, it's so unknown. Like, who knows what – how this thing's going to shape out. I mean, we're waiting on some pretty important decisions. Yeah. I mean, this, sure, there this was, has been uh, almost two months now. Yeah. I, I kind of hope this doesn't become the norm, but it seems like it probably will in terms of uh, the roster turnover. There was another question. It came from at decals, and it was basically the same question I got asked before. But if Tata decides to go elsewhere, do you see Cal waiting for Carr or going another option for the point guard position? Um, I don't I don't know. I think you'd have to get a really good feel on what Carr is going to do. If, if Tata doesn't come here, I would be a little hesitant to put all my eggs in Marcus Carr's basket. Um, so I think they might venture out for another point guard to – just to have some kind of options. If that happens, though, could you see Carr just deciding relatively soon, be like, "Hey, I'm just going to go ahead and pull my name out of here." And, no, and I think yeah. I think Carr is pretty committed to the NBA thing. Yeah, which, I think all these kids are going to be. Which only works out then if Kentucky can get him as an addition, right? Because yeah. you know Cal's going to sure, like surefire get a point guard in there with Hickman. You know, come to think of it, be, you can't be standing there without. That, that, that might be the option that uh, Wesley was talking about. Maybe that would be the kind of scenario where you get Fredericks, he comes, then Mance con- decides he wants to come back as well, and then Carr just ends up in a spot where he isn't quite ready for the NBA, but he still wants to come back. Like, that would, f- I mean, basically in that scenario in my head, it, it comes down to if you're UK, like maybe you wouldn't expect it at that point. But I, I actually could see that. Could you see that? I could. It's almost like an insurance type deal. Yeah. It's still a lot of guards. And I love the belief, too, Derek, that that CJ Frederick is kind of 
given the situation with Iowa and, you know, how the fan base were and everybody's like, oh, Kentucky's tampering and all this stuff, I I didn't think that it would be like an instant commitment as soon as he went into the portal. Like maybe this no. is a kind of just to let it die down, have a list of schools that reach out, let coaches reach out, and then if Kentucky is still your pick, you commit to Kentucky. Like that that is my – it's like a cooling period. Like I'm, I still feel like that I would be shocked if he doesn't end up in Kentucky. Honestly, just given everything that we heard for weeks before he went into the portal, and then all the buzz after he went into the portal, it, it would shock me. But I think it would be more about Kentucky not wanting it than C.J. Frederick not wanting it. If that makes any sense. Yeah. I was keeping a close eye on UCLA, and if they get involved, because I know his family is a huge fan of Mick Cronin's. Yeah, Northern Kentucky fan. Yeah, I mean a huge fan of Mick Cronin's, and I've I've noticed uh, his uncle Joe and stuff has posted a lot about Mick Cronin, but I haven't seen anywhere where UCLA has been involved at all. Maybe you have. I, I maybe I, I missed it, but I haven't seen anything. But that was one that I was paying close attention to about being a threat there. But I still think that if Kentucky wants C.J. Frederick, he'll end up at Kentucky, and maybe this is a cooling period just letting it all die down before he does announce. Because could you imagine if he had committed like two or three days after <laughs> going into the portal? Because then it would have been like, well, Kentucky had to be tampering. Yeah. Yeah, I definitely think I'm with you on that. Ethan's got a pretty fun question right here. Ethan asks, what are your early um, bold predictions for both the upcoming football and basketball seasons? Ethan says his are Jacob Toppin as a key, uh, key player next season and two – Kentucky stuns Georgia in football. That is a bold prediction, Ethan. Very bold. Uh, Sean, hit me with your two. Uh, basketball. Oh boy, Kentucky. Mm, I'm going to go something with three point shooting. Kentucky finishes. Kentucky's in the top four in three point shooting in the SEC next year. Ooh. Percentage or attempts or. In percentage. Yeah. That would be good. And then football. Ah, bold prediction here. I'm gonna say, well, give me give me your basketball one, then we'll move to football. I was hoping you wouldn't ask me that. <laughs> okay. <hold on. laughs> uh, uh, no. I... Here's my bold prediction: Kentucky for football. Kentucky's undefeated going into the LSU game on October 9th. So that would have them at five and zero. That would have them at five and zero with wins over SEC wins over Missouri at South Carolina and Florida. I like that. I like that bold prediction. Basketball, I'm trying to. We don't even know the know. roster, right? <laughs> hard, yeah. Basketball is really tough right now. Uh, I like I like Ethan's take on top of being a key player because uh, I think he will be, and I think he's just enough of like a. Basically, he needs development. I think that's what Ethan's getting at. That he will develop enough to yeah. be that key piece next year. So I like that. For me, I, I would probably come down somewhere on wins or losses. Like, I'll say they win over twenty-three regular season games, which people might be expecting that. But again, I said it in an earlier episode, jumping from nine wins. I think it might have been the one with Kyle jumping from nine wins to anything like that. you might be seeing a plus fifteen differential. And having to work in all these pieces, I don't think it's going to be super easy doing that. So I think that'll be a pretty solid uh, regular season winning over that. For football, I don't even know how bold this is, 
but historical note, they've not won in Starkville since 2008. Ooh, I, I like think they this. probably win in Starkville this yeah. year. So that's yeah. what I'm going to go with. That was more. That's one of the more. I like of, that. It's one of the more. I wouldn't say embarrassing because Mississippi State there for a while. Mullen was very solid, and Kentucky, of course, uh, was not there for those first probably what through 2015. So three times 20. Um, or wait, I'm getting my years thrown off. Oh, not no. Did they switch it up in Mississippi State one year? Uh, what happened with that? Let's see here. Because they, they went from OA, and now they're playing them in the uh, odd years. So it was definitely 2008, though, because it was Randall Cobb's freshman year. I don't know what happened as to why they don't play those guys uh, in even years. How did anymore. that happen? Maybe they weren't the permanent opponent until – shit, I don't know. I don't know how it happened. That's not really the point. The point is, though, they haven't won down there since 2008, and uh, they, they're, I think they're going to have a strong enough team this year. 2019, I think Kentucky was better than Mississippi State, but you had an injured Sawyer Smith going down there, and I think that really they, – they just played a bad game, Kentucky did, uh, losing that one. I think they should have won down there then. So I don't care what the FPI says about Mississippi State being a top-10 team. I don't buy it. I don't believe it at all. I think Kentucky wins that one. So that's my pick there. Um, so they played back to back in 2011 and 2012 in Lexington. Do you remember why that happened? Missouri came to the SEC in 2012, right? Yeah, that might have been why. I don't know. That's just my guess that the adding another game or whatever to the league uh, or another. I, I want to say it's when they became the permanent rival, but I'm kind of thinking they might have already been the permanent rival, they, so I don't really know. They've played Mississippi State every year since 1990. Okay, so definitely uh, couldn't tell you why. I have to go look that one up. Was, uh, that's very interesting. I'd love to look that up because that is that is very odd. I'd never noticed that. Um, yeah, and I went to the 2011 game, uh, the big Matt Roark game. Matt Roark had a lot of interceptions that game. Friend of the show, Matt Roark. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> this question's from Jake and, uh, Jason McIntosh. He asked, will there be less emphasis on high school kids from here on out since you can basically get a free preview now with the transfer rule? Let's just use that. He's probably talking about basketball, Sean, but let's just use that for both, for for any sport really, actually. Um, I do think this will take away a little bit. Matter of fact, a couple months ago there was an article. Um, it mainly had to do with the COVID stuff, how it might affect football scholarships with you know the fifth year. But you, I, I do think this is going to take away some chances for some high school kids. I think every school, it's only smart to leave a few open scholarships for high-end transfers, guys who, you know, basketball you see, I mean, there's been a lot of names this year that are just very surprising that have gone into the portal that you wouldn't really expect. Football, I mean, football too. What if Kentucky theoretically had loaded up in football to the point that they didn't have a scholarship to offer Wondell Robinson? Yeah. You know, like, you're just not going to leave. You're not going to risk that at all. Well, Um, and on the other side of it, too, do you think this forces high school players to commit and not delay to the spring just in case? Yeah, if you're not one of those, you know, top talents that you could wait until whenever you wanted basically to sign, then, yeah, I think it's – I think that was part of the reason even someone like Travion Longmire went ahead and committed. Just secure your spot. You know, Kentucky's taking a lot of DBs, but just get your spot. Um, 
lock it in, and then you pretty much have nothing to worry about. And uh, it's going to be a shuffling act for sure, I think, with, with schools doing that. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. For Kentucky basketball, I mean, I think you're always going to recruit the top players from high school that you know can come in and help you right away. But you shouldn't have to rely anymore on the Devin Askews. I use Johnny Juzang as an example. Obviously, Juzang is totally different now how he's viewed. But still, the same concept. A guy having to leave high school early. Show some potential. If you know you can come in and get a high impact transfer and help you right away, I definitely think uh, I definitely think there will be less emphasis in that area of recruiting high schoolers for the basketball team. The economy is made up of real people doing real stuff, and it affects everything, which you obviously know since you're a real person doing real stuff. Marketplace is here to help you get smart about everything beyond the what of the day's business and economic news. We dig into the how and the why with the real people driving our economy. From big tech and interest rates to small businesses and what's happening at the Fed, Marketplace breaks it all down so you don't have to. Listen to Marketplace wherever you get your podcast. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime. Brandon has a question here. He says, if Brooks comes back, do you see Cal playing four out, one in offense? That was actually going to be my bold prediction about basketball at first, and then I decided to go a little bit, I guess you could say it's even more bold to say they would uh, finish top four in the SEC in three-point shooting, but... I think if he does come back, I think they do play four out one in because I think it allows Keon to play more in that role that he's best at at the four, a face up four, put it on the floor, make some plays. Uh, we've seen Keon be able to step out and shoot the ball a little bit if that's an area of his game that continues to improve. And if they don't have another big, Derek, I, I really like how those minute splits start to to look with with Keon and Toppin you know, interchanging there at the four. If you want to play one of them at the three for a moment, maybe two, three-minute stretch, I think you can do it depending on the situation and flow of the game. Uh, but Damian Collins, you know, if Damian Collins ends up being the elite player that he's kind of there with his ranking and uh, and some of the some of the stuff that everybody kind of believes that Damian Collins can be, you're going to play him and Sheboy together some. But given foul trouble, I think it works out better if those are the two bigs with wear on your roster that you're not necessarily having to play them together. If Isaiah Jackson returned, which would be a great thing for Kentucky, then you get into the the two bigs at all times because you know Jackson and Sheboy are going to play a ton. You know Collins is going to play, and one of the other two is always going to be on the floor. That's when Keon Brooks would not be on this roster. Definitely. I'm with you there. I think, yeah, I think if Keon is, is there and the things you can do with top end, I do think four, four out makes sense, but I'll kind of believe that when I see it. Um, let's go to the question from Chris. A uh, bit of a long one here. 
Sean, he asked, everyone acted like Dante Allen never got off the bench before the Mississippi State game, but he played nine minutes against Kansas. Um, and he puts in uh, parentheses, and if I recall correctly, even had the last shot designed to go to him. I think he is right on that, right? He is He is right. It was, a, it was an Iverson cut, but something was off on the timing on that play with the bigs. So I think it was Sar and Jackson. Yeah. And then he had, and then Dante had the game at Georgia Tech with the four turnovers, which seemed to the point, which seemed to be the point where he disappeared. Uh, also true. Do you think Cal intended earlier in the season to play him, even giving him a chance, and then reacted to those two games specifically to sit him? I'll admit that I wasn't some kind of Dante stand during the season, and at times really thought the talk around him was a bit over the top. But I do wonder if those games impacted Cal's view on top of what he saw in practice. Good question. Um. I believe Dante hit a three against Kansas, right? I don't have his stats pulled. He up. did. He, he hit, hit one from the corner. Three. He did. Yeah. You're right. So uh-huh. he had, Georgia Tech. I don't think he had Georgia Tech was the yeah. game. I think he looked really bad, right? Yeah, was, he had a bunch of turnovers. And Aaron Clark played really well that game too. He um, did. And two, the the turnovers that Dante had that game, it made him look worse. But a couple of them were guys not holding their position on post up. I remember Olivier Saar just getting absolutely bullied in the post. And it and Dante gets credit for that turnover, yeah, because he Sar wasn't able to hold you know hold off his post and seal off there. But I think when it comes to the question, I think that Cal, I don't think Cal thought Dante was ready to do much given coming off in a, a full season where he missed with the with the ACL recovery, uh, hadn't played in two years. We didn't get to have the normal fall, the normal summer. You didn't get to see him up and down the floor the way that you would have liked in, you know, a full-on blue-white game in front of Rupp Arena, all the other things that you would do. I think that kind of played into it, Derek. And then I think, obviously, him struggling there in the season, coupled with Kentucky struggling mightily, I think that kind of pushed him to the side. But then it came down to it that Mississippi State, you know, that's when he kind of got going. But then you saw it again there, Tennessee game, that stretch of the season, Dante didn't play much until the yeah. SEC tournament. Yeah, I, I would say I don't. He played six minutes in like a thirty-six point win or whatever it was against Morehead State. Yeah, in a blowout, he he barely played. He played a little bit in the first half, and I don't know if he even got in the second half. If he did, it wasn't for very long. That was probably telling somewhat about what Cal thought. <laughs> Because if you play six minutes in a basically the only blowout they had all year, uh, really, and then he had what three DMPs in that stretch too. I'm looking at his stats right now, and UK's page doesn't show like Louisville's not on here. I know he didn't play against Louisville, so he, am I right? He didn't play three games before the Mississippi State game. Yeah, because he so, he was out Notre Dame, North Carolina, and Louisville. Right, didn't play at all. Uh, he got him for one minute against North Carolina. That's right. He did at the very end of the game. Yeah. So, I I don't know. It was a bit weird, but I do think Dante's sake, he, he got to play a year. He he will be better prepared for next season. And you know he has the capability of um, putting together huge scoring. I mean, two 20-point games, 23-point games, I guess, against Mississippi State. It's good for him for sure. He's proven he can do that. Um but again, we'll see kind of how how Cal feels about him going into next year. Good, good question though, Chris. Uh, this is from uh, this is from Matt John Calburner. So Cal's asking us a question. 
if Ty Ty or Pippen, uh, which he's talking about Scotty Pippen Jr., who is not in the transfer portal, but is rumored to possibly be going to the transfer portal if he chooses to withdraw from the NBA draft. But if those guys go elsewhere, are we toast for another dreadful season? I actually don't like this. No offense. I just don't love the question in terms of, like, until Pippen is in the portal, you didn't, like, lose this guy. So I don't, you know, we can't lose a guy who's not not available yet. Yeah. And so, but in, in regards to Tata, like, no, I don't. It's April 29th. I still think they're going to be, like, I, just, I would be stunned. Just stunned if UK doesn't find itself in a, in a spot that you at least feel pretty comfortable at the point guard position next year. Yeah. Still got Marcus Carr. So you still got names there that you're looking at. Uh, I I don't I wouldn't say toast, Derek. I, I'm not going to say toast until we look up and Kentucky's going into a season next year with just one true point guard on the roster. That's when I'll be like, okay, this this thing might be toast. <laughs> yeah, uh, smooth asks. Uh, do you still expect to stay coach Antigua and Chan as assistant coaches? And what's the latest with Frederick Wheeler and Mintz? We already hit on the last part. And, uh, yeah, I do. I expect you kind of get both those guys. I have, I thought I, I could have sworn you said smooth ass. But you said smooth ask. <laughs> smooth asks, yes. I was I like, who is it? Like K a little bit more. Yeah, I was like, Mel Ooh. Smooth Bradley here asking us this question. Uh, yes. I'm scrolling these questions. We actually have another. Well, he asked, uh, too, what's the latest with Frederick Wheeler Mintz? We've stated that, haven't we? Yeah, we yeah. we don't really know. Wheeler is very interesting. Anything we've missed in there? Because I know I have a couple. Yeah, I'm trying to see. Sometimes it shows up that I have one. Uh, okay, I know I have one right here in DMs. Let me find. It. Okay, this one's from Kyle. With all the coaching shakeups and the roster changes, how much will Cal UK be in the national media spotlight for next season? Eric, Kentucky basketball will always be in the spotlight, even more so when John Calipari is there. But I think even more coming off a 9-16 and 16 season. I think that Kentucky is immediately in the spotlight from the beginning. All eyes are on – all eyes are going to be on Kentucky. They're going to be on Duke. They're going to be on all these teams that were power programs, that were the elite powers that struggled this year. I think that they're all going to be right there in the light of it early on. Yeah, I mean, as long as – even if it's not John Calipari's head coach, obviously, but especially with Cal, just with the way he markets the program, like UK is always going to be in the spotlight. It was such a big deal this year because they were, they were bad. I mean, they st- they remained, you know, right there. I remember when they lost to Mississippi State. I think it was right on the bottom line on ESPN's elite that Kentucky had lost and that they were going to finish with their fewest wins in a long time. I mean, it's a big story when Kentucky basketball plays that poorly. And I think uh, that that will definitely be an angle for a lot of the year is how those Blue Bloods respond in a what almost certainly is going to be a more normal uh, experience this year. So good question, and uh, I definitely think – and I don't know. I don't really know that the coaching stuff – like I still have this opinion, and maybe I'm just totally wrong, but like I just don't think assistant basketball coaches in the national spotlight are really discussed anywhere near as much as football. And it makes sense because football – you know, sometimes head coaches will call plays on one side of the ball or the other. You see it a lot with offense. But uh, it seems like the roles are maybe easier to identify with uh, football coordinators versus kind of the basketball stuff. Because, like, think about Tony Barbie's, you know, 
departing um, comments from Cal was about how great he was at designing game plans. Yeah, people talked about Barbie defensively, but it wasn't, you know, most of that criticism was still coming back to Cal, right? Yeah. On everything. So I still think college basketball is a very head coach driven um, deal when it comes to comes to what the media talks about. And we have a question from Ryan here. If UK gets back on track this season, should Cal start recruiting one big and the rest perimeter players, uh, meaning high school and transfer portal, both included? Giving UK a true four outlook would really satisfy the fans if success follows. I, I hope that Kentucky goes to a four out one and look, but when it comes to just recruiting one big, you better, you need to have at least two. Derek, you don't want to get into a situation where someone goes down with an injury and then you have one. So I'd say maybe three on the roster. That seems safe, right? And yeah. still uh, and have it blended, you know, with experience, talent, and then maybe like you got – like right now you got Lance Ware, who we all kind of view as a developmental piece moving along in the program. Yeah. So I like that question. I do uh, too, though. Good question. And I like uh, – I actually <clears> – excuse me. If Keon comes back – and you have basically a two deep, I would say, of, of Keon, Toppin, and then at the five, uh, Sheboy and Collins. That is actually kind of the ideal front court, in my opinion. I don't think you need too many, like, lumbering or uh, kind of very strong guys like Sheboy that aren't really going to be able to step out and do much. But I like that you have someone like that to set a inside presence who's going to rebound. Uh, you can throw lobs to. Uh, and then I like a guy like Collins who – you know, maybe he'll prove to be more than just a defensive specialist, but at the very least you can expect a, a guy who can intimidate opponents around the rim, can block shots. And then I like guys like Brooks, you know, and Toppin in the 6'8 to 6'9 fold who can step out and shoot it a little bit and still very athletic, uh, can rebound, can run the floor. I, I actually think that would be a very strong front court for Kentucky, and I think that would be the way I would try to mold it uh, most years. But that's a good question because uh, it seems like, I mean, basically I don't think you would want two guys like Sheboy playing together anymore. So that's why I like Garrison Brooks wouldn't have been a good fit. I know he was rumored for a little bit, but yeah. I, I wouldn't have liked Brooks and Sheboy being out there together. Yeah. I think you have somebody at the four who, who's a, at least a somewhat of a threat to shoot it. And Keon and neither one up top and or Brooks is an absolute lights out shooter, but you know, you, probably can't leave those dudes absolutely wide open either if they develop the way they should shooting the ball this off season, because teams actually did do that to top in last year. <laughs> uh, okay. I think Florida left him all by himself on one side of the court. So, uh, but I, I would, that would probably be my ideal front court this year, just because I don't think Jackson's coming back. No. And next question comes from Brian. Madison Lilly has been named AVCA National Player of the Year, so this was a week ago. Uh, A.J. Reed was National Player of the Year in baseball. Has any other athlete in U.K. history been a National Player of the Year? A.D.? Yeah, Anthony Davis. And then for There's Nash probably been a bunch in basketball. I really don't know the history of U.K. basketball National Player of the Year, to be honest. Well, Anthony so. Davis took home every award possible that season. Yeah. Josh Allen took home, what, National Defensive Player, if I'm not? mistaken yeah buckus award all those yeah but not like the overall uh so yeah but yeah credit you know and madison lily congrats to her on all those accolades i know there was a tweet that it was like almost 
full of like Twitter characters from all of her honors that she's received. And you could probably only have Anthony Davis from UK that you could write that same type of list about from, from a season, obviously Josh Allen, a lot of awards there too. Uh, we had another question I want to make sure I don't miss. So we've, we've not done a mailbag in over a week. This one's from Wilson. Uh, I know the mailbag tomorrow is for basketball, so this is last week, but the next time you're taking football questions, here's one I had. With such a high-level recruiting class and the new one and new one-time transfer rule, what does Kentucky need to do to retain young players that show up and make an impact in their first year or two? After watching the basketball portal, it's hard not to think Kentucky could become a farm team for the Alabamas of the world. And then a follow-up question, would that actually be a bad thing if that meant we were getting better recruits because they would start for us year one and or two and head to a championship contender for year three? That's a really good question, Derek. It is a good question. Um, This is probably anecdotal on my part. So I'm not saying this will never happen. Like, I I actually buy in to the fact that UK football does have a very good culture. And that, in my opinion, will help UK a lot. Will there be kids that potentially, if they had the chance to go back to their home state and play for the team they grew up cheering for, that they could leave? Yeah, I think that's certainly possible. No question about it. But that is actually not something, as of now, I'd worry about too much. I mean, uh, it's a very good question, and I can't say for sure that, that that won't happen. But I think there's something to developing in a program having an opportunity and being happy somewhere. I think generally a lot of kids, like I don't think kids that are just loving their situation are just up and leaving for something else. So building a culture will be even more important in my opinion. And the UK is already pretty good at that in football. So maintaining that and doing that will be, um, will be, will be solid because I'm only thinking like, like Jeff Bidette left. And I know it was a different time in terms of the transfer portal, uh, you know, he was a grad transfer, could go to Oklahoma. Like, that was a great opportunity for him. I don't think Bidette loved the offense. And for a kid like him, he was in a situation that the offense that UK was running at that point was not what he signed up for out of high school. He thought he was going to be playing in an air raid offense, and he got to go do that, uh, at least more something that resembled more of an air raid at Oklahoma. So that made sense for him. Like, if, if, if there are kids that are getting those opportunities to go to the, to the True Blue Bloods, then that will be – then I could see it hurting UK more just because, you know, you think about someone like Trey Sermon who left Oklahoma for Ohio State. Well, Oklahoma can reload pretty easy. Whereas UK, I just think UK invests so much into the recruits, into that kind of culture that I think they're in really good shape. So until that starts happening, I wouldn't worry too much about it, but I love the question. Uh, I love the thought behind it. And uh, that will be something to watch for sure in college football moving forward. It will be. Great question. Next one comes from Trey. Will the new rep renovations be done before we get new basketball uniforms? <laughs> the last time UK had different <laughs> uniforms, Barack Obama was still president. I don't even know when they're are they getting new ones? I don't So the renovations are supposed to be done this year or next yeah. year? I this think year? I think this year, right? If I'm not mistaken. Um or was Probably, those, yeah. They've made a lot of changes though to that area down there at Rep Arena. I mean it look completely different this season yeah i mean because you think we were in lockdown for a long time so they'd started that stuff and i assume they got to keep working on it last year but um didn't really affect i mean i was never really in that area last year i mean we were 
I would say fans too are the same way. You parked in the parking lot and you walked right across, went right to your seat. There was not much wandering around <laughs> going on in yeah. rough last season. So I didn't really get a great look at anything that was going on. Um, I do think it's time for some new uniforms though, for sure. I think it's new to- time for new uniforms for football too. As yeah. I see Kyle Pitts outrunning Kelvin Joseph on my TV on the NFL draft. They've, they've worn those same uniforms for a while too. So I know football has a lot of combinations that they can wear, but, uh, so basketball wore the gray ones this year, right? That was just for special. Yeah, just, that's uh, the Tennessee game, if I'm, I think. Yeah, yeah, it was for sure for the Tennessee game. They didn't look they great on those TV, though. I don't think I ever went back and watched that game again. It, so. They looked wide on TV and in pictures, but you could uh, you could tell on some pictures you could tell with lighting, but I heard in person they did look gray. Were you in COVID protocol then, Sean? Is that why you weren't there? Was that the first time or second time? <laughs> Yeah, I was in there. <laughs> My 90 days yeah. actually running up <laughs> pretty soon. It's hard to believe. So uh, our buddy Shane has entered the mailbag again, Derek, and uh-huh. he has two questions because we he had a late injury the last time, so we didn't get to answer it. I'll save it for last. Uh, but his, his question is, would you rather have to be in charge of guarding John Wall or Julius Randle? In this scenario, you are given the body type and skill set of either position you choose. If you choose John Wall, you'll be a six-footish guard, which I think John Wall was 6'4", or if you choose Randall, like a 6'9", 6'10"-ish big. For me, I'd rather guard Wall because I'd rather be embarrassed by a blow-by or crossover than get bodied all night long and bullied by Randall. I have to, I have to agree with him. I don't know if I'd want to have to beat and bang with Julius Randall on any night. <laughs> I totally agree with that. His His logic is my logic. I mean – yeah, blow by me all day. There's really no shame in not being able to stay in front of an elite athlete and ball handler. I mean, it's very tough to do. It doesn't sound any fun having to guard Julius Randle for – man, at UK, just a pit bull, wasn't he? Just cut it at the elbow and just head down, get to the bucket. And obviously, he's so much more than that now. Crazy he's shooting 41% from the three-point line right now. It was like 28% last year. I mean, if you're going to play in the NBA now, you better be able to do – Pretty much everything, right? I mean. (laughs) And then we got a fun question, Derek, and you probably already know the answer to this. What's more dangerous, Swaggy Cow or me having a water water burger built in Nashville? I can't even say it. That's how bad I want it. A water burger built in Nashville? Yeah. What do you think is more dangerous, Swaggy Cow or water burger being in Nashville? I don't know how you are. I could see you just getting in the car one day and driving to Nashville for – for some Whataburger. So, I would be uh, stopping this weekend on my way to Memphis. Would you, <laughs> would, yeah. Listen, I, that that one time that we decided to drive to Texas for the Texas Tech game, I ate Whataburger five times in 24 hours. Five times in 24 hours. You love your life as much as you love it, and I respect and, it. I literally, every time I go, I take like 10 packs of, of the spicy ketchup back with me and just throw it on everything. Now, lately I have changed my diet and I've dropped like 20 pounds, but I will no doubt add on some weight when I see a Whataburger. It's like instant five pounds goes on my frame when I pass one. We're curious if the swaggy cow um, entering the season is is fake bravado or if it's if it's real. I kind of would rather see him not be all the – I don't know. We'll see. We'll see if the roster is good enough for him to be Swaggy Cal this offseason. 
we shall see. Uh, but it's been another jam-packed mailbag, obviously brought to you by Buffalo Wings and Rings in London, Kentucky. We we always want to thank them for uh, for their support for Kentucky Daily, sponsoring this episode and all the other mailbag episodes that you've heard in recent weeks and moving forward. Derek, I looked and Buffalo Wings and Rings mailbag, it's showing up in our top 10 podcast quite often. I think everyone that we recorded recently has been one of our top 10 most downloaded episodes. So that's a good sign. So make it out there. Thank them by stopping in and uh, for showing their support for Kentucky Daily. Make it out there right there off I-75 in London, Kentucky. Try all that delicious food. It's, it's a great place to catch a game. And uh, I'm looking forward to getting there very soon as well. Uh, Derek, this is Thursday. This episode's going up tonight, NFL Draft. We'll have an episode Friday morning. And then I'll be flying solo this weekend just in, if something breaks because uh, you should be having a pretty good time, right? Yeah, I'm playing some golf, going up to the Reds game, hanging out with my buds. So uh, really hoping nothing crazy happens this weekend um, with the UK because <laughs> I'll be out of pocket. But, yeah, I know you'll be here to hold it down. This is actually one of our shorter mailbags. I think we're going to keep this one under an hour. So <laughs> thanks, like Sean said, as always, for tuning in. Uh, hopefully we didn't miss anybody. If we did, I promise you it's never intentional uh, that we miss you. But I think we got everybody that we saw. So thanks for those. And um, see what happens tonight, Sean, with this draft. We'll be back tomorrow to talk about it. Yeah, absolutely. And we uh, we look forward to doing that. As always, uh, you can interact with us. You can follow me on Twitter at GBB Country. Derek's is at Derek S. Terry. Uh, you can send in mailbag questions whenever. Uh, feel free. You don't have to wait for me to put up the tweet. It's easier if we go through the tweet because then I can kind of flow with it. Derek can flow with it. But if it's DMs and you want to get one to me, just in case you missed the tweet or forget, uh, just uh, just DM us there. You can email me. It's uh, GoBigBlueCountry at gmail.com. And uh, we'll be back tomorrow for another episode of Kentucky Daily. We'll catch you then. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime.